Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. Hey, so uh, for those of you, hold on, let me see. Most of you know who I am. My name's Tucker. I'm a staff pastor here at the church. Uh, again, Glenn is out of town, so you're stuck with the young kid who just got ordained and doesn't know a lot. So good luck. Best wishes to you in advance. This is going to be a very fast 30 minutes, a very, very fast 30 minutes. Um, we are continuing our series in Luke. Uh, for those of you who have not been with us, we've been doing this for like a year, and we'll probably be doing it for another year and another year. The pace that Glenn's at, we're averaging like five verses a chapter a week. Actually, our church might end and we'll still be in Luke someday, 20 years from now. I, you know, whatever. But we are in Luke. We're in Luke chapter seven. Uh, for those of you who have not been with us, Glenn has been kind of going through uh, passage by passage, just the narrative of the gospel of Luke. Um, so today we're going to talk a little bit about um, when Jesus isn't who we think he is and uh, we'll be looking at Luke seven eighteen through 23. First, let's pray, uh, and then we'll just kind of do a brief overview of, voice crack, a uh, brief overview of Glenn's talk last week, uh, and then we'll dive right in. So Lord God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be together today. Holy Spirit, would you come and rest? Would you settle on us now, Jesus? Would you open our hearts and our minds to receive you for who you really are and not just um, how we've decided you are? God, that today we would um, really engage with your presence, not just in worship and in song, um, but through our giving, through our service, through our listening, for, for me, through, through teaching. Um, and God, I pray that uh, anything um, that I speak that's not from you would just be uh, flushed out and anything that is from you would land, um, and we would know that it's from you, and it would affirm uh, every heart here today. We love you, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I get really angsty when I talk. Not angsty. Okay, maybe angsty. I get a little angsty. Like, I get really worked up and get really excited. Ask any of my students. I do a lot of this, a lot of hand stuff. Zoe makes fun of me every Wednesday because I get really, you know, laying. You feel that? Yeah, There's a lot of brie, right? Kind of, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So if I get really animated, I'm super sorry. I'm also really not. We need a little bit more of that in our church, so I'm going to bring it. Uh, yeah, yeah, we need a little more juice. I know 9 a.m. is early, but it's not that early. I work at Starbucks. I get up at work at 4.30 every morning. You know, so um, we can talk about early another time. Uh, so Luke, uh, Luke chapter 7, last week Glenn talked about uh, Jesus raising the widow's son, and we just talked about... Um, uh, he talked about compassion is an, is an action verb. Uh, and as we continue through chapter seven, uh, we find Jesus having performed all these signs and miracles and his dear friend and kind of a wild guy, John the Baptist, uh, hears about all this stuff. 
For those of you, we've talked about John during this series. Remember, he's kind of the crazy wild guy who's uh, out in out in the wilderness with his honey and his like some, I don't know, very strange clothing, very little clothing, uh, kind of a wild, uh, who was the picture that Glenn used? I can't remember, but he kind of looks a little bit like, uh, oh, George in the Jungle. Anyone ever see that movie? Um, yeah, it's a little bit like that. Like that's a, probably a good capture of what John normally looked like. Uh, at this point though, in our story uh, in Luke John has actually been imprisoned um, and is being held prisoner, uh, but he's allowed to see a lot of people. All of his disciples and those who've been following John uh, are able to go visit him pretty, pretty freely and pretty regularly. And so uh, the disciples of John have been following Jesus around. They're trying to figure out, is this guy really the Messiah, really the king that John has been prophesying about and saying crazy stuff about? Uh, is this really the guy? And so they're seeing Jesus perform these crazy signs and wonders like uh, raising children from the dead, which is pretty wild. Uh, Glenn visited that last week, and it's, that's not normal, uh, but it's meant to be normal for us. That's a different topic for another time. But uh, so they're reporting to John what they're seeing in Jesus' ministry. So we are starting our passage today in Luke 7, verse 18. Thankfully, I don't have to read off any of this. We'll just read from right here. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. For any of you who know me, it's not surprising at all that I would talk about something that has to do with offense. Um, yeah, I'm really good at bringing this stuff up. So it, I, Glenn didn't do it on purpose, but this worked out for me. Um, at this point, part of why Jesus responds to this uh, is signs and wonders and then communicating, let John know what you just saw and blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Uh, at this point, John's in prison and he's starting to wonder and question a little bit. Um, is, hold on, I get that he's doing this stuff, but this doesn't look the way I thought it was gonna look. I thought, he was gonna, I thought Jesus was gonna come, the messianic reign, uh, the line of David was gonna come in and there was gonna be an upheaval of the current system and government and the current kingdoms and, and thrones at hand. And I thought there was gonna be this political overthrow and instead, this guy's hanging out with homeless people, lepers, blind people, poor people. And this has nothing to do, nothing's changing. The establishment isn't changing. John's in prison by the people that he thought Jesus was going to come conquer, more or less. And he's continuing to be held in prison. So John is starting to waver a little, because we would never do that, right? I, I would, but I... I 
I absolutely would. If, if I was talking about a guy that I thought was going to come and liberate and set free all the captives and restore and renew the world and restore my entire nation to the, to the glory that it was promised, which is Israel and the promise of King, all that, the line of David, all that stuff. And I ended up in prison because I was talking about him. He shows up and I'm supposed to believe he's the guy, but I'm still in prison and I'm still in prison, and people are getting healed. That's great and all, but I'm still in prison, and the people in authority and in power are still in authority and power. This isn't going how I thought it was going to go. Now, I'm not saying that John suddenly decided, well, I don't believe Jesus anymore. I don't think that's not necessarily it, but he does come to a crossroads in his faith where this isn't how I thought it was going to look. So that's why our message today is titled, When Jesus Isn't Who We Think He Is. Because John had a notion and a belief, we're talking about John the Baptist, like modern, at the time, modern day prophet, there hadn't really been anyone like him for centuries, from the Old Testament to the New. And even John is beginning to to wonder and question, is this the guy? Is this really what what, what this is about? Because I thought it would be different. So, um, part of me identifies with this on a personal level, but also a lot of me identifies with this for us as a church. We have, at Donna knows better than anybody here, the Moors, Wally and Darlene. This church has gone through really, really high seasons and really, really low seasons. And at times it has felt like, God, this is not what it looked like. You, this, doesn't, this doesn't look like what we were promised. And so part of why this sticks out to me so much is because on a personal level as a community, we identify with this. We identify with the prom- like Jesus' promise for us and how we would experience him as a community has not looked the way that we thought it would a lot of the time. <coughs> Sorry, I tried not to do that. Uh, so this is a, an ongoing thing for us as a, as a church body, as much as it's something that we find in Scripture. And so with that, <clears throat> we have a responsibility to redefine how we think of Jesus as king. Uh, if we allow our circumstances to define the kind of king Jesus is supposed to be, then he's really no king to us at all. But if we allow Jesus and his kingdom to define our circumstances, then he could change everything. And what we see here is Jesus identifying what his kingdom come and what it looks like as his response to John. I was reading this commentary, this guy named uh, Alexander McLaren. And it was, as I was studying for this this week, and he had such terrific insight. His response was the same thing as how this whole passage starts. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. So the disciples have already gone and told John about the lepers and about the blind and about the deaf and about the dead being raised. So that was, John already knows that. Jesus' response is, well, why would you question it? Do you see what's happening? Like, do you understand, like, what's going on here? Like, we, it's, like, the kingdom, what were you expecting me to do differently? Like, what was supposed to be different? And, uh, So he responds with the exact same thing that he's already been reported. 
Uh, and then this line, my favorite line, and those of you who know me aren't surprised by this. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And Jesus' key note with that response isn't a, you just got to re- realize that I'm right, you're wrong, you got to see things my way. What he's, what he's insinuating, blessed is the one who's not offended by me, is if I'm the messianic king, then my way has to be ultimately what you see as the rule and reign of God, not the way that you thought it was going to be. And if you're offended by that, then we have to realign our relationship and where we're at. If you're offended by the way the kingdom, the way that I'm bringing the kingdom and establishing the rule and reign of God, then we need to readjust. We might need to do something a little different. You and I might be misunderstanding each other. How many times do we have friends and relationships don't raise hands because everybody in the room would raise hands? Do we have misunderstandings? Shoot, I could think of one right now. I won't bring it up because they're in the room. But when I had like a misunderstanding uh, with, with a friend recently, when we, when we misunderstood each other, there was offense. And there had to be a big conversation about how we misunderstood each other and how we were offended. And so like that had to be addressed and fixed. So again, it's not Jesus saying, my way or the highway, even though that he's the king and that actually is how it goes. He's so relational that it's, he would rather identify the way it needs to be seen and lovingly correct and change than force his will upon us. Does that make sense? He's God and he could. He's omnipotent and he could. He's the beginning and he's the end, but he's relational. And, and Glenn talked a little bit about this last week about God's not some distant thing in the sky that doesn't get changed and doesn't have feelings and doesn't get emotional about us. It's the complete opposite. Jesus represents the total opposite of that idea. Jesus represents relational. He represents compassion. He represents feeling. He represents emotion. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the dude flipped tables over in a synagogue. Like he had emotions, he had feelings, and they were triggered by people, even though he was God. So this is really important for us to grasp is that he is king, we are not. Our circumstances can't define how we see Jesus as king. Our circumstances have to be defined by Jesus being king. And that starts here. This starts with these passages, what Jesus has to say. Um, So, uh, I'm sorry, Uh, Brogan, we can go to the next slide. Um, These are a couple verses that kind of support uh, the coming king. So Jesus has this point to make with John because he's fulfilling what the Old Testament and what the old prophets had prophesied. Uh, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer. That says hen, sorry about that. Uh, Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Isaiah 61.1, everybody knows this verse. The spirit of the Lord of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim, sorry, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Isaiah, fun, fun side note. Do I have time? I've got time. Fun side note about Isaiah 61.1. <clears throat> that carries on and says the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Uh, and then something about the vengeance, the day of the vengeance of our Lord. Jesus says this same prophecy in Matt. Well, you can actually find it in most of the gospels. 
but he, the day of the vengeance of our Lord is conveniently left out. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of that. That's a fun little caveat. Anyway, um, which brings me to my next, next point. Brogan, will you bring up the next one? Thank you. So again, I was reading Alexander McLaren. I'd never heard of him until this week. And I'm realizing now I think I found my commentator for when I study. Uh, I really like him a lot. Uh, this was a quote of his in regard to Jesus' response to John and, and how we've landed where we are today as far as what this passage means for us. The deepest meaning of the answer is that love, pity, healing are the true signs, not judicial, retributive, destructive energy. John wanted the lightning. Christ told him that the silent sunshine exerts energy to which the fiercest flash is weak. We need the lesson, for we are tempted to exalt force above love, if not in our own thoughts of God, yet in looking at and dealing with men. And we are slow to apprehend the teaching of Bethlehem and Calvary, that the divinest thing in God and the strongest power among men is gentle, pitying, self-sacrificing love. Rebuke could not be softer than that which was sent to John in the form of a benediction, to take offense at Jesus either because he is not what we expect him to be or for any other reason is to shut oneself out from the sum of blessings which to accept him brings with it. Man, that's so good. I could probably just be done now. We are slow to apprehend the teaching of Bethlehem and Calvary, the divinest thing in God and the strongest power among men, gentle, pitying, self-sacrificing love. This basically expands the whole concept of what Jesus was teaching, which is everything that you think is supposed to be how this happens, how this kingdom gets established, how rule and reign, everything our culture and our society is about. And if you don't believe me, just turn on the news. It's not very hard. Success, power, all of it defined by control, manipulation, stepping on each other, most people define success by climbing the food chain or climbing the ladder and kind of taking, kicking butt and taking names, more or less. And my generation, I'll admit to this, we're notoriously bad, notoriously bad at I've got to celebrate my truth and I've got to celebrate my way of living and you can have your way, but I've got to have my way. And I ultimately, that's so self-centered and it's so about me. And it's so the opposite of self-sacrificing, gentle, and pitying. It's the total opposite. We are tempted to exalt force above love. It's easy. Like, it's really easy to find that today. We are, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm an extrovert, in case you can't tell, and I'm also very loud. Um, if any of you are familiar with the Enneagram, anyone, the Enneagram test? No? Yes? Sort of? Okay, I'm, what's, I'm an eight. Uh, for those of you who don't know, eight, I'm, a, I'm basically like a challenger. That's what it means. Challenger or a fighter. Again, probably not much of a surprise to any of you. So this idea of... Uh, tempted to exalt force above love. Let me tell you, I identify with that a lot, naturally. Whether it's in argument or in debate or even not in argument and even not in debate, I am prone 
to want to exalt force or be like assertiveness, you know, I try and soften the blow of how aggressive I can be by using the word assertive instead, but really it's just aggressive uh, sometimes. <laughs> uh, all my friends are over here laughing at me because they know exactly what I mean. Um, but the way of Jesus and the way of the kingdom is the complete opposite. It's the complete opposite. It has almost nothing to do with my own agenda. So I'm not sitting here like preaching to you as much as like we're doing this together. I'm, a, I'm the guiltiest of all in this area. <laughs> but this was the way of the kingdom. And the world we live in now is gonna pressure and push on us to do it in a way that exalts force. How many of you might know that coworker or somebody that you go to school with for my younger kids? Uh, they, they gotta push their way into everything. They kind of push their way into everything. Or another, and this crosses all generations, people that are identify with, well, I just got to grind and work and I just got to, you know, I got to earn my, earn my keep and, and blah, 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 strive and strive and strive and work and work and work and work. And man, I just got to get there and whew, man, that's exhausting just to talk about, let alone do. And it's, it's pushing and it's forcing and it's, eh, it doesn't feel good. And it's the opposite of the, of the kingdom of God as a whole. If anything, if we're going to be, in, if we're going to insert ourselves, it's to insert ourselves in service. It's to insert ourselves in self-sacrificing love. It's to insert ourselves in giving to the poor when it's uncomfortable. It's when you got that last dollar in your wallet and you know you're going to be thin until your next paycheck, but you see the guy right down here across the street from Safeway while you're turning home from church and knowing that he probably needs that dollar a lot more than you do. That self, that self sacrifice and that pity, and not in the, that we have, we use the word pity in such a negative light, and it's not really that negative. Pity is actually a compassionate thing. It's meant to be a very compassionate action. And again, in the line of what Glenn taught last week, following that is the simple ways of establishing what Jesus began, which is the rule and reign of His kingdom here on earth. So. Um, I just accidentally did my whole closing, so that's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> the overall gist of this, and, and what the point I'm trying to get to, <clears throat> is we have a responsibility as people who follow Jesus to uh, not affiliate and associate ourselves with so much of our society and our culture to the point where it costs us Jesus being Lord. The kingdom doesn't know a political party. The kingdom doesn't know democracy and it doesn't know nationalism. It doesn't identify with any of those things. If anything, it's a monarchy for one, but it's the best monarchy. But, it's not, but what it doesn't do is identify with a political party and it doesn't identify with a, a pridefulness that is ultimately self-centered. And I don't care where anyone falls on the spectrum. This is a word for the church today as a whole that our affiliation and how we represent Jesus cannot be attached to and decided by where we fall in our Christian ideologies and what we decide looks like the Christian thing. We can't decide, we can't pick and choose what the Bible says and say, this supports what I think and what I believe. The Bible has to decide, this is what I believe and this is what I support. The character of Jesus has to decide this is what I believe, and this is what I am for. And if we're not sure, or you wrestle with stuff in the Bible, because the Bible's not contradictory at all, is it? 
that's a joke. It's definitely, it, you will run into a lot of stuff that is not hard, hard, to, hard to put together. And, but if you do that, it's better to just say, and I know Glenn has said it before, it's better to just say, I don't know. Our responsibility ultimately is to be formed by the character and the person of Jesus rather than deciding that Jesus needs to look like what my idea is. And this is something, at least for me, especially in the last year to two years and being a part of this community has done for me is I've had a lot of dying to self to do because as I've learned more about the value of the character of Jesus and valuing scripture, Brogan Marcotte is one of the main reasons I have grown so much in valuing scripture. He, he, he really emphasized to me when I first moved here the need to value scripture and to value what it teaches. And since then, it has transformed the way that I approach my pridefulness because I'm super, super prideful. I like really, really am pretty self-centered and have a lot of work to do. And so, and if I'm not, if I don't think I'm being self-centered, I am saying and doing things that are ultimately centered around myself and my own pride. And it wasn't until I started to let this book, well, that's not the Bible up there, but it wasn't until I started to let the Bible read me in my life instead of me making it fit what I wanted it to say that I started to really see change and transformation in my life, at least for me. And this is just my truth. See, I'm a classic millennial. I fit right in. I'm just kidding. This is actually the truth. This is what the gospel is. <clears throat> I, would say, I would say that um, collectively we have a responsibility um, and a duty to let go of what we think is the most Christian ideology um, and that Jesus and his kingdom coming don't exist to, to support what we are or what we think, but Jesus and his kingdom coming exist to transform what we think. I think that's on the next one, actually. <laughs> Thanks, Brogan. Yeah, Jesus and his kingdom coming don't exist to support what we think. Jesus and his kingdom coming exist to transform what we think. And what I mean by this is at the end of the day, listen, we live in a democracy. We have a responsibility as citizens to uh, participate and to have a voice and to use our voice in a way that will influence people, hopefully, towards Jesus. And hopefully, um, people can see the kingdom be manifest in our lives and the way that we live our lives. But that doesn't negate responsibility. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, don't vote. I'm not saying don't have an opinion. Please have an opinion. Please have a, a formed opinion. Have an educated opinion. But ultimately, that opinion can't trump Jesus as Lord. It can't trump what we just read in Luke 7. It can't trump pity, self-sacrificing love. It can't trump playing, playing, praying for the leper or the blind person or the deaf person. It can't trump how we treat the poor. It, that, that, it can't be above it. Jesus put a very high priority on those things. And ultimately, if he is the Lord in our life and he is king, we are subjected to his rule and reign and not the one that we live underneath. So our idea of Jesus can't be fixed on what we need for him to be. <laughs> um, you know, we sing a lot of songs here that are about the nearness of God and God being super relational. And that's so true and God will meet us in our needs and meet us in our neediness and our brokenness. But at the same time, he is king and we are not. And we have a responsibility that even when we have certain feelings about something, if he's clear in scripture about what he has to say, that has to be the barometer in which we start to live our life. 
Something has to change in us because he's king and I'm not. He's God and he doesn't change. And I am broken. I am a mess. I've got my issues. For me, I am prideful. I'm self-centered. I'm aggressive. I am probably making a few people upset. And that's okay. But ultimately, I have work to do. Like, I have stuff to do. And it has to be submitted to Jesus as king instead of me deciding that this this is, I'm good. I'm good. Jesus is king of the really good things and we just don't talk about this other stuff. I'm good. I'm good. If Jesus is king, then self-sacrificing love, the focus of the other, the love of the other, love of your neighbor are the things that I'm like, man, I am not very good at that. And I've got some stuff to do. And it's not because Jesus is sitting there like, well, you're not, you're out now. It's It's out of a conviction that he comes in a tender and loving way that empowers us to, trans- to change, to transform our lives. It's not because we're going to be sitting on the sidelines in eternity someday. I don't want that to be what gets heard. It's out of his mercy and out of his compassion that we're convicted to live a different life and to see Jesus for who he really is and not for the way that we have seen him classic question I always ask my youth students, does this make sense? I sure hope so. Man, I went so fast. It's 10-10. Wow. Worship team, you want to come back up? Gives us plenty of time. It's going to be great. So one of the things that, um, as I was praying through this week and, and writing, writing this talk out, um, well, I sprained my wrist on Thursday, so that was uh, timely and untimely all at the same time. Because uh, I was thinking as we were, as I was preparing this, what I wanted to do today is if you need uh, a healing or a breakthrough in your life, some of the beginnings of transforming the way that we think, uh, we, we need a little more than just words on paper. And while the Bible is living and active and inerrant, uh, it's really hard to grab onto unless you experience God in a tangible way. And Jesus's answer and response to people uh, and to John, when there was question and uncertainty and uh, preconceived notions of what he looked like was signs and wonders to follow. His response was, have you seen what happened with the blind? Have you seen what's happened with the deaf? Have you seen what's happened with the lepers? So at least... I'm going to ask for prayer today. I'm going to ministry if you want ministry team if you want to come up for those of you who are and able. Um, if you need a breakthrough today, whether it's in your body, physically, uh, emotionally, um, or maybe maybe with your finances. So sorry, sorry. Um, if if it's something uh, along those lines, I felt like today there was a grace for that, and I just felt like the Lord really wanted to. Um, to show himself in a way that will really begin to encourage us to change our lives, to look more like his. Um, And that he wanted to just love on us this morning in healing. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org slash give.